When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> Football's so great. But now, the two conference champs must survive a harrowing bye week that no one enjoys. Bye weeks. Bronco Nagurski didn't get no bye weeks. And now he's dead. Well, maybe they're a good thing. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast with Dave, Honky, Boomer, and Redcast Rob. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers. And I'm with Honky. This episode of the Redcast should make PJ Fleck proud, uh, split perfectly down the middle, somewhere between culture and skill. <laughs> Speak for yourself, Honky. <laughs> also with Boomer. Well, I'd just like to announce an exciting offer for our listeners this week only. It's buy one Redcast, get another one free. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like just a deal. It's too good to be true, Boomer. It does, but we want to make sure our podcast sellout streak continues. That's so. that's true. Absolutely. We are missing <laughs> uh, one Redcaster. Redcast Rob is actually at a, uh, a deadhead um, concert of sorts at uh, Red Rock. So, uh, Rob, when you listen to this, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Um, we'll try to fill in your, your shoes honky. Uh, I really hope that we were going to have a show here this week, uh, going into the buy where we were talking about building momentum and, uh, turning the corner and getting ready for the home stretch. And instead we have to talk about another loss. Uh, one that is more confusing than, than many others. Uh, one that just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, so much I don't even know what to talk about right now. So even three or four days later, I'm still confused. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what were your thoughts about Nebraska's performance up there in Minneapolis in a uh, seven-point loss? That sure sounds familiar to the Golden Gophers. Well, I, I think tonight we want to do everything we can to not start off flat on the show. That's right. And uh, I had a guy – you guys remember Mac? He used to be on the show. Uh, he yeah, came over, yeah, I remember that guy. Yeah, I remember him. He came over on Saturday and we watched the game together. And uh, literally from play one, it was like, oh, well, that no. explains everything right there. You guys watched <laughs> the game together. You're not allowed yeah. to do that any longer. Uh, I don't even know what I'm allowed to do or not do anymore because we've had every combination of people sitting here watching games together or not. It, does, it just doesn't matter anymore. You can't predict um, how the team is going to come out. But I just know on, on play one, we just watched it right away. And we're like, oh, no, it took no time in the game to realize this isn't starting off right. Uh, yeah, if it wasn't the first play, it would be the next two, which yeah. you're like, oh boy, three. Well, and for now, me, I'm watching the passes. first. Yeah, that first play I'm watching is the option, and Martinez just looks hobbled. I mean, right away it looks so slow. He didn't look explosive, and it was like, oh my goodness. And then, yeah, to your point, the next two plays, he doesn't throw great passes, but they also could have been caught, and we drop them, and yeah, all of a sudden it's three and out one. less than a minute into the game, and we're kicking the ball to them, and then they have a seven minute drive on us. So. Uh, yeah, the, the game didn't start well. I know some people said that that was our eighth game in a row and Minnesota's played six and we look tired. Who cares? I mean, these guys, you're 20 to 22 year old guys. I mean, you can't be tired at this point. They need to have a better performance than that. And there's, there's no excuses for it. So, you know, we've heard plenty of frustration here the last few days. We've kind of gotten off of uh, social media a little bit and, uh, just kind of let some of that stuff play itself out. But, uh, people are upset, Dave. I don't know if that, uh, surprises I've you. noticed. I've yeah. noticed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm trying to do different things too, right? I'm like, I'm watching the game and after the really disheartening end of the third quarter where it, we should have took the lead uh, multiple different ways, it felt like. And I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to go walk the dog for a while, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm checking my phone on, on my app and, and whatnot. Uh, to figure out what the score is going on. But I mean, that one drive where we ended up, uh, have, uh, you know, got to fourth and 10 and, and didn't convert. I didn't watch because I'm like, maybe I'll just like not watch the game for a little while. I was thinking of our, our good buddy Kluver, who, you know, when it was a really stressful game, he would just like not watch. Right. And mm-hmm. just like have us you know, yell at him what was going on. I'm like, maybe something else like that needs to happen in my life. Uh, but lo and behold, it didn't do any, any good boomer at all. Um, it apparently is not me. Apparently it is, the team and the coaching staff that's causing these problems. 
Yeah, I don't have uh, many other ways to put it. Minnesota's just kind of morphed back into our nemesis from, you know, century plus ago. And for some reason, they just don't seem to ever be up for these games. You know, we, we heard it talked about. How could they know, have not have been up for the game? I don't boomer. know. That's my biggest mystery. You know, when he came off, I get, you know. I You've get lost maybe, to him the last two years. Exactly. And it kind of embarrassingly, the, the last embarrassing two years. Embarrassing fashion. Got, you got walloped, you know, last time we played in Minneapolis. And then last year might have been the worst loss in a long time, playing the team that barely could, you know, field the team. And you're not up for the game. No, and you're not up. I get maybe in a little bit of a letdown coming off a pretty emotional game against Michigan. But, you know, you practice in the morning at 11. So that shouldn't catch you by surprise. And then we mentioned, you know, in last week's show that you've got this stretch of games where there's three you pretty much need to win to guarantee yourself a bowl. And this was one of those. And they just came out not ready for anything. And, and the hockey's point, some of it was injury related because Martinez certainly didn't look right. You could tell in the game he wasn't, you know, making any runs or breaking anything. Certainly was hesitant. And, you know, that that whole scrambling aspect was gone. And the defense was probably the most disappointing part of that first half. They just didn't seem at all ready to be there or ready for anything and kind of got pushed around by the extensive line that Minnesota had when they'd have six or seven linemen down there. And it took a while for them to kind of get their feel for it. Tanner Morgan had a season high of 14 completions entering this game. He had only completed 14 passes in a game uh, once going into this uh, game. He had 14 in a row to start. We turned a guy who looked like he you know, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, and, and suddenly he, he was slinging around like he was back on the NFL draft board like he was two years ago. And then – Suddenly in the third quarter, we flip that, right, Honky? I mean, we get two INTs and we get all the momentum mm-hmm. in the world, uh, but we can't finish off drives. Yeah, we made him look like the second coming of Joel Stave 2015. And that's, <laughs> that's pretty high praise there. Uh, right. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's one of those games you want to throw away. You want to just say, okay, put it out of our mind, put it in the background. Let's move on, right? You want to. The problem is, is that is a game that they absolutely couldn't have at this time of the season in year four, all that. And it nope. it literally it has created um, certainly within the social media world. But talk to your colleagues at work and all that. People are saying the same thing. All of a sudden, the hot seat talk and all that is, is all over the place. And one of the biggest takeaways from this game for me is that every game matters right now. These are important games. We have fans that have told us, you know, a week ago they thought things were on the up and up coming out of that Michigan game. They're feeling pretty positive. And then this one game against Minnesota and how bad it was, now they've they've just lost the confidence. They're apathetic, and we'll talk about that in a second. They're apathetic, or they just – this one game had that much of a negative effect on them. And what I would say is every game matters. We have four left. You've got to win some games to undo the damage done here. You know, and I think people will come back. They'll come back in a heartbeat if we start to win some games, but they're just absolutely tired of seeing the losses. Yeah. I mean, you can only take so many, right? And it's just, it's, it is just befuddling on, on the performance. Like, how do, how do they come out and, and play that way on both sides of the ball? And the offense, Boomer, is just, it's so confusing. You see how the offense is supposed to look at times, and it looks pretty good. Um, and they're starting to be, you know, players like Ramir Johnson emerging where you're like, wow, this guy could be really good. But at the end of the day, they just don't score enough points. You're going to tell me, hey, I, I didn't think we'd give up, you know, 30 to Minnesota. But I mean, we got to stop just scoring the low 20s. We're just not going to win all the time with that way. We never win almost. We have no. to score more points. And a lot of that is that red zone execution. Um, and whether that's play calling or, I mean, they, they just don't really throw the ball that much. It was really interesting to see uh, the last touchdown that, that Allen caught. We finally threw down in the red zone. We finally threw our 6-9 tight end. And, you know, we just don't see a lot of things that make just logical sense considering the personnel we have and, and how we think we could score in the red zone. It just drives you crazy. We've talked about that for shows and shows about the yeah. we turn out a lot of yards, but you're not converting those into points. So they're empty calories. And some of that's, you know, the play selection in the red zone, not targeting, you know, the right guys Missing like Austin goals. Allen. Uh, yeah, not going under center, which is a whole other argument, you know, when you're on the inch line. Uh, inability over to kick yourself. field goals, missing those extra points. Those are just points you're throwing away. Uh, it's just there's so many little things like that. And then and you mentioned just kind of the confusing things that happen on this offense, like with our big receivers, like where was Tura at all in this game? How many catches did he have? One? 
you know, and I know Ramir Johnson's kind of stepped up, you know, in the last few weeks, but like what's ever happened to step? I mean, is he hurt or is he's just kind of fall off the face of the earth? I I don't know what's happened to him after his, you know, he had a good game against Fordham and then just kind of disappeared somewhere. So I don't know on that end. You just never get a good feeling sometimes that they ever quite get Mm -hmm. anyone in a good rhythm or a good rotation going. They're always kind of throwing things around. I think just almost seems like they're just hoping something sticks and they're just trying bits of everything to see what happens. This is the thing. I have no idea from week to week what the hell our rotation is anymore. I I don't know what receiver is going to be hot. I don't know which running back is going to go out there. Someone said doghouse with step. That certainly seems to be the point. Um, So some of its rotation is, is confusing. Some of its execution, right? I mean, should we get under center? You know, I, I joked after the Buffalo Bills game uh, the other night where yeah. they went under center and, and poor execution, essentially. They don't get the inch that they need to get the first down, I think, was it was fourth that they were going for it, right? But the yeah, same right. thing for us. My bigger issue, I mean, I've been screaming for Yant in those short yard situations all year. Uh, I don't love it on fourth down. You know, I, I would have liked it. That would have been the better second third down call. Yeah, and, and earlier down, I mean, you're putting everything on the, the freshman, the young guy that – and you're putting it on fourth down with them when you could, and you had opportunities galore leading up to that. And then, you know, by that point, by fourth down slips, he makes a mistake and that's it. Whatever they should have done. We just don't score enough and we don't score enough so that we lose a bunch of one score games. And guess what? We just lost another one score game. Although in, this game felt different because it didn't feel like a one score loss to me. It felt like more really, even though we had all the opportunities in the world to win it, it felt like it, it should have been, more than seven points. It felt like we got outplayed that much by them. And we tend not to do in these situations too, is we don't give credit to the opponent and we, we should Minnesota deserves it. Minnesota, they have our number PJ Fluck for all the, the PJ Fluck jokes last week. And and boy, there was a lot of good zingers, but uh, he gets the best joke of them all. Uh, he's four and one now against Nebraska and, and his teams, he gets physical. He puts seven linemen, eight linemen on the field sometimes. And uh, they were able to just pound it ass in the first, half and keep the ball away from us that was very effective yeah it was that's right i mean it it was a nightmare scenario really opening up the game right to go three and out and then give up a seven minute touchdown drive i mean you couldn't have scripted a better opening for minnesota there i mean it's just it's like wow i mean how how can we just play into their hands even more right i mean Mm -hmm. that was just just mind-boggling that that happened yeah there's a lot of talk right now and, and it got amplified with this game and it'll get amplified over a, a bye week when there's no other game to talk about this week but a lot of it starts to, to focus on the the postseason I mean we're already seeing LSU's got rid of Ordron we're already seeing right. some of the coaching carousel start up and you know what, what's going on right now with Trev and and Scott and my personal opinion just I'm not making any statement that that any Specific change has to happen, but every game matters. I know Trev is going to be paying attention to how this team plays. I mean, you go to 2017, and that team gave up as the season went on. I mean, that was clear as day. And yes. that's not acceptable ever, and that's certainly not going to be acceptable to, to the former Blackshirt. That's our athletic director right now. That's going to be something he's going to be keeping a very close eye on, I think, these last four games. But, you know, I think that he's invested into Scott. Uh, I think back to just two weeks ago, right before the Michigan game, you know, busting with the boys. I don't know if you guys had a chance to, to yeah, listen, listen to that. It was cool. a great podcast that uh, Will Compton did there on the bus uh, just north of the Union with Scott and Trev. And just Trev being on there with Scott, I thought was a huge show of support. I, I think of previous athletic director head coach combos that we've had. Steve Peterson never would have gone on the bus with Solich. You know, I, course, never would have been on the bus with Bo. Right. Uh, Moose wouldn't have gone on the bus with Riley at the very end of Riley's season, you know, at that point, it's that true. just wouldn't have happened. Trev just being out there with him. I think that there's a lot of support that Trev wants to give Scott here, but every game matters too. And you know, that Trev's got people in their, their ears. I was forwarding you guys some screenshots of posts I had seen from some former players that they want to see change. Right. And you know, if people are posting that and people are saying that, that Trev is hearing all that stuff too. And so every game matters right now. There's four more of them. We're invested in Scott. I'd really like to see Scott be successful here. It's hard to, at this point, though, to see that there wouldn't be some changes after this season. You know, what those changes are, we don't know yet. But uh, it's hard for me to imagine that we're not going to see something happen. Yeah, it is hard to imagine that they don't make some adjustments because yes. it, it just doesn't work. Uh, in particular, on the offensive side of the ball, it just still feels disjointed uh, for some 
whatever reason. Right. And um, it, it's odd to say that four years into this, right. With only really one coaching change on that side of the ball, I believe mm-hmm. um, just, that's just odd. Right. It doesn't, a lot of stuff just doesn't add up. That's probably the most frustrating thing, I guess, as a fan is like, when you know, it's bad football. You're like, okay, we're just going to fire this guy and move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of positive things that we have seen occur within this uh, program over the last four years. I think you have to feel like strength and conditioning. We are, we look like a big 10 team. Yep. You, you look at the skill positions and we are more skilled than we were from four years ago. Um, it feels like the culture is better just at least from a, like everybody seems to be on the same page and they, they do want to play for each other and all that type of stuff. Um, but then at the end of the day, it, it never results in wins. It feels like mm-hmm. against quality opponents and they still have befuddling, you know, hiccups like what we just saw on Saturday, which doesn't doesn't make sense, right? I mean, there's no reason that the culture should have failed them at this point. But for some reason, for whatever reason, it does. Yeah, I, I think the skill player thing is a great example of what you said there about we look like the types of receivers and running backs that the staff has wanted. And they've, they've recruited now over the course of the years. But the rotation that we talked about earlier, I have no idea which one of those guys is going to show up from week to week and somebody just doesn't play and someone someone has a huge week, but then we won't see him again the next time. It's just befuddling. And um, I think Martinez is a, a good example of that too. I still get people that are like, ah, he can't throw and he can't do this and he can't do this. And and you show him the stats and it's like, look at the guy. I mean, he's, he's literally, he's a top 10, top 15, whatever quarterback in the country right now statistically, you know, just across yep. the board, but the wins don't come with it. And unfortunately he's been on the, the wrong end too many times of the, the fumble at the time that kills us and all those things too. Right. I mean, that yeah. all comes with it. It's, it's part of the package. And it's the thing that just, I don't know if there's, any, is there any other team in the country that has dealt with the kinds of stuff that we have for the number of years now? And I'm not, no excuses. It's self-inflicted or whatever, but is there anyone else that is snake bitten? It seems as as Nebraska right now. Probably not, but I mean, do, I mean, to your point of like self inflicted. I mean, like we get the ball back with you know five less, just under five minutes to go, mm-hmm. and down a touchdown, I believe, right? And we have or or five. We're down by five, right? And it's like, all right, well, here's another chance for Adrian to finally you know take us <laughs> on a, a game winning drive, and we don't even get into pass one play. Not one play, Honky. I mean, the, the thing is over oh, in one play. And, and you're like, so like, man, Adrian just cannot do it in the clutch. But the question is, A, we shouldn't have been down by five points at that point. Sure. Um, so if we just took care of business earlier, we wouldn't be in the situation. And then, then B is like, you have your entire playbook in front of you. Why are we dropping back 11 yards? We're, we have the ball at the 11-yard line. So he mm-hmm. drops back 10, 11 yards. I mean, like we could do anything else, quick pass plays, whatever, that yep. completely takes the safety off the board, right? I mean, just like don't call anything that happens to be a safety. But no, we call the exact play that ends up being a safety because it's apparently some very long, complicated routes because he held the ball too long. And, it, you know, Ben Hart, who's a Minnesota uh, kid, you know, just can't hold the guy off any longer. And, and the sack happens. And it's like, why did we call that play at that moment when that was the one result you didn't you couldn't take? <laughs> it's befuddling. There are no easy answers here. You know, do you want Martinez back next year? People will immediately jump to a they'll say yes or no. But in both cases, it's not that easy. If you ask me, I'd say, yes, I want him back next year. But then it's like, whoa, take a step back for a second. Think of all the things by saying yes. Can we get better? Can we just fix those things? This is the thing that Trev has to have this conversation with Scott. And Trev has to be thinking about over this offseason is, are we literally this close? And, of course, I got the the fingers next to each other, right? Are we this close? And we just need to tweak this and this. These I don't want to even call them small changes, but important changes. You know, these three or four important things, we fix those. Is that the difference between us being three and five and seven and one right now? <laughs> Coming into the season, we've talked about got to fix special teams, you got to fix turnovers, you got to fix penalties. And some games we fix those things. Some it's week some to week, we hockey. It's week to week. Week to week, we fix some of those things, but even when we fix them, we still find a way to lose most times. Yeah. And that they're always unique and interesting ways to do it. I mean, I give us credit for that. We find amazing ways to not pull it- off the W. That's a really good point, Honk. Boomer, you know, we were plus two in turnovers in this game. 
Yeah. And we still lost. Yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to mention. It's, you know, one of the things we always said we need to do in a game is, you know, win the turnover battle. And you do, you know, you still find a way to lose. And, and you know, we always say the other thing that, that fans want is, you know, consistency and, and time for a staff. And you kind of mentioned it earlier, Dave. This is how long has the staff pretty much been together here? We've had very minimal changes in a yep. staff for four years. And yeah you're still seeing these same things and it's just, I don't know what continuity what of staff do. should I mean, eliminate a lot of that. Yeah, stuff. Every think, coach, yeah. every coach was back last year. And I, I said it last year and I'll stand by this back in December. I was like, I'm glad they didn't make any changes then because if for no other reason, than yet perfect continuity of staff coming into this year that you take that excuse off the board. Again, I, I think that there's going to be changes at the end of this off season, what those are and what the extent of those are. These last four games matter. I don't think anything's off the table yeah, yet. That's fair. But I'm also not, you know, I'm not calling for Frost Head or anything right now. It's there's four games, three of them are at home, two bye weeks in there. Let's get some wins. Let's get to a bowl game still. Let's find a way. Let's win some games that, as crazy as it sounds, the FPI, didn't I see that the FPI still has us, you know, favored to win three of our last four games? Now, the favored is like, I think at Wisconsin, we're, we have like a 50 point, like, three percent chance or i mean it's basically 50 50 and then we have like a 51.2 percent chance against iowa at home and then for some reason we have a much larger percentage 60 or whatever percent against purdue uh, who now is ranked after beating iowa last week look i mean we can go zero and four in those games we absolutely can but we can i think we can go three and one we got to play good football but my goodness i don't even know what good football looks like anymore because We'll play good football for a while. We played really good football, I thought, in the third quarter for a while until you yeah. get down to the five and then yeah. can't punch it. I, I don't know. Just finish them off. You know? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have no idea. Now, does that mean am I apathetic? Because we have a Twitter ah, poll. Yes, the big question. We have a Twitter poll out there, guys. And uh, it was uh, Redcasters, rate your current state of Husker fandom based on the following definitions. Very specifically, the definitions here. I think these were, uh, you know, Webster's or or at least, you know, Wikipedia, I don't know. Uh, apathetic, showing or feeling no interest, enthusiasm, or concern. Optimistic, hopeful and confident about the future. And then pissed was number three. And I gave two options for that, the very annoyed and angry, but also the British version, which is drunk. And so I, I think <laughs> somewhere between those three, I, I, there's a hundred more options we could have given, but are you apathetic? Are you optimistic? Are you pissed? Right now, 24% are apathetic, 38% are optimistic, 38% are pissed, and I would say about 100% don't know what apathetic means. Because <laughs> when you tweet at us, text at us, DM us with all caps and 32 exclamation points about how we need to fire this guy and this guy needs to go, and I'm and saying all that and going, I'm, I'm apathetic, I'm like, you're a lot of things, but apathy is not one of them. You are not showing or feeling no interest, enthusiasm, or concern. I can tell you that. But <laughs> my favorite one, actually, guys, and this might be the title of the show tonight. One guy wrote that he was apathetically engaged. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what that means, but okay, he's apathetically engaged. So that's good. Hey, Husker fans, the, the main thing is apathy is, by the way, the worst of those three. We don't want that. We want people continuing to show up. I mean, the worst case scenario would be the next three games we go out and get house and we don't, and we look like we're just giving up, you know, kind of the 2017 that end of the year. Very bad, and then yes. you have Iowa coming in here to win the West and they end up having a poster game where they have a bunch of gold in the stadium. That's the last thing in the world. That would be the worst case scenario. And that's what we absolutely can't have. We can't afford to have that. We need to play good football these next four games. We need to win some games. We need to have that game mean a lot for us to, to get to a bowl game. Well, in a perfect world, we'd, we'd already be bulgeable before we even play Iowa. That's still possible. Let's do it. But we'll win some games. <laughs> in a perfect world. I'm somewhere between optimistic and pissed. There you go. That, that's where, that's that where might I be the British be. version of pissed there, hockey. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. I'm drinking water tonight. Pathetically but. negative. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, Boomer, I mean, it's the bye week. Uh, what do you expect they're, they're working on here over the next 10 days or so? So they can uh, potentially upset um, now 25, 25th ranked Purdue uh, two Saturdays from now. Yeah, finally get that win against a ranked team with any luck. Um, this week, I, some of it is they just need to try to get healthy. Uh, you got you got to get Martinez back to some kind of uh, what he was earlier in the season. Get him healthy. You know, get everyone else that you can healthy. Get a 
O-line rotation set that you like. You know, hopefully, you know, Ramir Johnson comes back from – I assume he has a concussion just kind of based on that the hit he took to the head and hit the turf, yeah. and I assume mm-hmm. that's what it was. So hopefully he can come back from that. Don't want to rush a concussion, that's for sure, but hopefully he'll be through that protocol and back since he's been really the most consistent running back. I, I don't – I like Hockey said, I have no idea who they'd put out there if he wasn't available against Purdue, who has any you – know, who knows at this point. And then, you, you know, Boomer, yeah. that gives me a thought about, like, again, my, my world was befuddling. But, I mean, like, just like how everything always works out. Like, Honky, that sequence of plays where Ramir gets the ball, Ramir – has has looked really good on the goal line this year, actually, and scored, scored multiple touchdowns from the same range, scored one mm-hmm. earlier in the game. And he uh, goes right up the gut, gets hit really hard, bells rung, has to come out of the game. And then that, you know, the next play is Adrian getting stood up at the goal line, and boy, he could have been in. If he gets called in, they don't reverse it, vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then Ramir, who would normally take that, he's done that off the off the left tackle before multiple times. He's walked in. Uh, it, it's it's our backup running back who's a freshman without mm-hmm. a lot of experience, and he trips and he doesn't score. Um, but if Ramirez in that game, I think Ramirez scores. I mean, if the ant doesn't trip, he probably scores, but sure. Ramirez wouldn't have tripped. Right. But I mean, like the odds of Ramirez getting dinged up at that very moment, which then doesn't allow us to take the lead, which it looks like it was a foregone conclusion that we should take the lead. We were running all over him at that point. Um, it doesn't happen. And then it just, it's just like everything happens. And then suddenly what should happen can't happen. <laughs> and it's just like, well, like, are you kidding me? I mean, Ramirez, he hadn't had his bell rung all year and then suddenly boom it happens at the most inopportune time right well and everything that we talked about all off season was about progress of you know, where are we at with our depth chart you know are we deeper yeah. well geez you know we put yant in there we do have a 235 pound option that we didn't have a year ago but we also have a guy like Sevian morrison who's run multiple touchdowns now this year from short yardage too i mean we have another guy who's slightly bigger than ramir that would have been a good option as well yeah the main thing was Martinez wasn't healthy in that game. It's clear as day, negative 17 yards rushing. He's getting beat up. And those are exactly the types of plays that you've got to be giving that ball to anyone but him in those cases. If he's that beat up, I mean, Boomer said it with this bye week. I mean, he needs to get healthy for the Purdue game. If he, let's say he doesn't get any healthier. Let's just say he is still beat up. Now, I know Frost said today that uh, he should be as healthy as he's been all season. And I'll take him for his word. I'll I'll take him for his word. And I let, then that means that we should expect on play one, I can see him, you know, run with a burst, but just like we watched against Minnesota though, in play one, it was like, Oh no, he's not right. Well, if he's not right against Purdue, then we need to be ready to have someone not named Martinez play quarterback. If he's not right, if he's not, that's not me saying bench him the way that we were saying bench him a year ago, you know, against Northwestern. This is just, you can't effectively run this offense if he's not healthy enough to do it. You know, and, and it was yeah. clear as day that game. And we cannot afford to waste games. There's no game. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that. But there's no game where we just can't, you know, this one, uh, you know, this one. We Let's can not do. worry about one in this game. Guys. Yeah, this one's not important here. Let's we can show up flat on this one or or, uh, you know, this one. We're not going to you know play our, our healthiest guy or our best player at this spot or whatever our rotation is this week for wide receiver or running. But I, I just don't. Those things I don't get right now. I, and I, I do, you know, and we see other teams, you know, even Minnesota would uh, rotate. What was that other quarterback? There's Kramer in just to kind of spice things up now and then. He threw a touchdown pass and gave him some running options at times just to kind of, you know, shake the defense up, keep us honest. And, I th- you know, watching Purdue a bit, they played like, what, three quarterbacks in that game against Iowa at random yeah. times? I mean, maybe yeah. that's something we just try, just, you know, throw it in there, mix it up well, a little, give them something else to worry about. And, and again, Martin specifically, a, we're, a series off sometimes. Yeah, specifically, yeah. we're talking about a QB in our case, too, that it's not that we're pulling him because of bad play. We're literally pulling him because from an injury standpoint or a health standpoint, yeah, he's protecting not him able. A little bit. Yeah, we're protecting him a bit and he's not able to do some of that. You knew you weren't getting 100 percent Martinez out there. He would normally run one of those two plays into the end zone. But, yeah, you know, he's he's hobbling around. So we don't we're not prepared for that. We don't have a, a QB. You know package. he's injured going into the game, you right? Know I mean, it. Like, so, right. So there's no way that we can have Smothers or somebody, some kind of wildcat. I don't care what yeah. it is. We don't yeah. have an option like that ready to go for that game. 
I don't get it. I don't we, get it. We Maybe that's what so Brett was talking about. He like slipped on juice at the Continental Buffet at breakfast that morning, and that's what injured him. And maybe that's what it was all about. Maybe that, that yeah. could have been. I mean, we have so much talent at our running back and wide receiver spot that sits on the bench half the time, it seems like, or, or you know, seemingly does because you never see him. But Xavier Betts, I know that's a big confusion for a lot of people. I mean, he you barely see him getting targeted for anything. Uh, you know, passing wise, they did do that one little reverse to him this last weekend. Yeah. He it seems like every time he touches the ball, he's a big explosive player, but he just doesn't touch the ball enough. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Obviously, Adrian missed some passes, especially early in the game, which mm-hmm. could have gone to Samari, etc. So that I mean, that's some of the reason they didn't touch the ball as much. But yeah, both Omar and Xavier Betts and their their lack of production is is it's befuddling. Yes, yeah, befuddling. Now. I think we did mention him earlier, but do you want to give some props, some credit to uh, Aurora native Austin Allen? That was yes. a great game. Hopefully that's something that we can see a little bit more of again, these last four games, every game is important. We heard all off season about how the tight ends are going to get targeted more. We did see it in this case. And to your point too, Dave, we saw a six, nine tight end, uh, you know, make a play in the end zone for a touchdown in the red zone. And so, yeah. That's, I mean, my goodness, I can't believe we're in game nine saying, hey, did we learn something about our 6'9 tight end that maybe he could help us out in those cases? I have no idea, but my goodness, we're going to need more of that here these last four games. Yeah. I'll say it one last time. We have four games left. We got three of them at home and we got two bye weeks. There's no excuses. This team has got to be ready to play every single time out. The schedule doesn't get any easier and uh, the stakes couldn't be any higher. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, every game will be the most important game of the Frost era. Oh it's my god, the entire yeah. season, <laughs> oh, every game feels like like the most important game. And, and that is in a way now. And know. that all dates back to literally the Illinois game and Frost saying in the preseason that we've just never had a chance to build momentum. And he's right; we've never had a chance to build momentum. But then this entire season, we've never had a chance to build momentum. And, and, and by the way, that's on us. I'm not. There's no external forces that to blame here. We lose to Illinois, and it's just been an uphill battle ever since that game. I mean, <laughs> the Redcast lost one of our members because of that game, basically. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I – Mac might actually fit the term apathetic. He might be apathetic. I'm not positive. He, he's not as frustrated as, uh, as I still am, and he's certainly not as optimistic as me. And now, Nebraska ball. All right, guys, this is the very first uh, Nebraska ball segment of the year. That's uh, a good thing. Husker Hoops is just around the corner uh, with uh, a couple preseason games and then a opening uh, matchup versus Western Illinois on November 9th. And, uh, you know, kind of getting ready for the season, Boomer. There's, uh, you know, the preseason AP top 25 or the Big Ten's pretty well represented, and and you know they kind of also have uh, some Big Ten uh, predictions as well. Can you maybe run through a few of those for us? Yeah, the AP Top Twenty Five came out. You know, the Big Ten again is well represented in that. You know, it's always a tough basketball conference, and this year is going to be no exception. Uh, Michigan and Purdue both getting top ten votes. Illinois is just outside of that at eleven. Ohio State's there at 17, Maryland at 21. So well stocked there. Michigan State and Indiana are just outside receiving votes. So it's, again, not going to be an easy conference, but we all know that going in. And then, uh, you know, Big Ten Media did their little preseason poll. Nebraska picked to finish 11th. But, you know, I suppose that's a safe bet considering where they've always been in the past. But uh, certainly I'm not feeling apathetic about this season. I'm actually kind of excited. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know about hockey or anyone else, but uh, – where we're looking at going in, but I think his team's got a good chance to to shake some things up. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, I, I'm definitely not apathetic. I'm I'm uh, very uh, positive about uh, the direction of the program, even though we've only won 14 games in the last two years. I mean, the uh, talent that Fred Hoiberg has stockpiled in Lincoln is is impressive, and uh, you know we have seen uh, a few games, especially last year, where we really saw the system work. Um, the way that um, Fred envisions it, and he really does have a roster that's um, look like it's built to to get there. Honky, I mean, you have uh, any names that you're really interested in? Want to hear more about? Um, I can try to kind of get get you a primer here for Husker basketball that helps you get going. 
Well, let's start with just the starting five, what we kind of know up to this point. And then I have a couple other guys to bring up after that, but let's start with that. Who are you expecting when we take, I guess, was it Peru State we played first, you know, so at tip, who are you expecting out there? You know, it seems like definitely we have the two uh, McGowan brothers now at this point. So, right, Trey um, and now his younger brother, Bryce, our first five-star guy, official five-star recruit. Uh, and so it's pretty obvious. I think those two are starting. You know, I think Trey thought he might be the starting point guard, but we actually brought in a uh, – Grad transfer from Arizona State, Alonzo Verge Jr., um, who um, has uh, really kind of kind of put himself in position to be the starting point guard. And you've got Lat Mayan, I believe, probably would be a starter, and then probably Derek Walker. Um, but uh, there has been some rumblings uh, as of late that uh, another true freshman, um, uh, if it wasn't for Bryce McGowan's. Uh, another one of our highest recruited players of all time, uh, Wilhelm Bradenbach, um, is starting to make a move. He's a big kind of 6'10", 6'11", really versatile 4'5", um, probably a little underweight to really play down in the post, but he's been trying to put on that weight now um, as he's you know been in Lincoln since the summer and is making an impact. So my guess is that Derek Walker would start, at least initially, but um, they're really excited about the potential for Breidenbach. How concerned are you, I guess, in the Big Ten here to hear about someone, a freshman, another big guy that's you know underweight, but uh, if we have Lat Mayan out there and uh, underweight freshman for our front court, I mean, is that a concern going into this kind of conference play or has, has the conference changed? I Obviously, I know like Garza's gone. And I'm sure Purdue still has a couple of seven-footers that have been in a Rocky movie <laughs> once in their the life. So. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, no, I mean, I think it's a good question. I, I mean, I think that even whoever starts, uh, I think the team is going to be deeper this year with more rotation uh, because you've got some some guys coming off the bench that um, are going to, you know, we um, we got um, Andre. I, I liked Andre at the end of last year. I thought he was yeah, playing pretty absolutely. well. And then, uh, you know, Webster will be coming off. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's definitely a, a lot of uh, talent there. We have a lot of young guys that came in um, that could ultimately contribute as well. You know, so uh, yeah, I wouldn't worry too much whether it's Walker or Breidenbach, but I think your point's taken. Well, then my other question then was obviously, you know, we just talked about starters, but then we had a couple, you know, fairly decent transfers come in here. Wilcher from Xavier and Edwards from DePaul. I mean, these are top 100 four-star kind of players just a year or two ago. um, And they're not sniffing the the starting lineup in, in this case here. So, what do we see from those guys? Yeah, no, I think they're all going to get get playing time. And I, I think it's going to be interesting how that plays out, even though maybe the, the top five or six seems kind of obvious. I think the next next four or five um, could be all over the place. And there's enough guys out there. You mentioned Welcher. Keon Edwards was a guy that, I mean, if he would would have been out of the high school, he would have been extremely highly uh, recruited. Uh, so there's just a lot of, a lot of talent there. Um, and a lot of versatility with, with the lineup. So, Mm. I mean, I mean, the concern obviously is that they don't gel. They haven't, you know, not all, I mean, at least we have a core that has played together, right? That's, that's good. Um, Mm. But you're always concerned that these guys don't gel and they don't, don't play well as a team. And, and then that, that system doesn't work. Um, But the hope is, is that they, they do really come together. I think a big help in my mind is that fact that, at Bryce McGowan's, the 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 kind of the alpha dog of from a recruiting standpoint, has his big brother on the on the roster, right? And mm-hmm. he ha- is established within the program and the system. I think mm-hmm. that really helps, kind of like you know, kind of balance that out a little bit. But I think that that's the concern. The opt- optimism in me is that I mean, this is the most talented roster maybe we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not even be really close. And if they could come together. Um, this team is going to cause cause some fits for players or teams that can't defend them. So yeah, well, it's a, this is the time of year, of course, where there's like 14 guys that get talked about for playing. But we know once you get into the season, that always gets pared down, uh, and kind of back to our conversation about football with like rotations, right? But at some point, I mean, how deep does Hoiberg want to go? And traditionally, how deep does Hoiberg go? You know, with his Iowa State teams in the past too, does he does he want to go eight, nine, ten deep, or is he pretty much, you know, six, seven. I mean, what, where do we, 
what are we looking at that you need to kind of get into the top what to really be a probably a significant game in game out player? Yeah, I, I think it could be as deep as 10. I really do. Because I mean, if he would prefer to have enough uh, pace, right? We talk about space mm-hmm. and pace that he he wants to bring a lot of people in, especially early in the year, I think. So I think you're going to see a lot of players uh, in non-conference. It might get whittled down a little bit in conference. I could see that happening. Yeah, the guy that really intrigues me is, is Tominaga. And just because there's a lot of talk about him, he's incoming, he's, you know, he hasn't played a, a minute for us, but the dude's just a crazy sharpshooter from from Japan. And, I mean, he's a little bit kind of like the dark horse. Like, is he going to come out here and lead the Big Ten in three-point shooting, or is he? Right. Is the season yeah. going to get done and he played 30 minutes? I, I just don't know what to expect yet out of him. It'll be kind of fun to watch. Yeah, I think he, if he does make a couple threes, especially early, I think he's a fan favorite real quick. And the other thing is to talk about early in the season. I mean, Boomer, before we started recording, you were talking about some of the schedule. And I know we have Creighton fairly early, but, like, it's really important. Let's go back to football for a second. We lost to Illinois in week one, and it just seemed to kind of kill that early momentum of the season. This season, we need to start off fast in basketball and win. You know, we, we could win those first seven games if we beat Creighton as part of that, because the other ones, that non-conference schedule is fairly easy at the beginning. We've got to stockpile some wins right away because uh, that schedule starts to get more difficult as we get into December, right? Yeah, it's it's not a glamorous schedule, I guess, especially early on if that's what you're looking for. Uh, you yeah. open with Western Illinois and then Sam Houston. You know, we have Creighton early, but it's supposed to be a down year for Creighton and you have them at home um, mm-hmm. at Pinnacle Bank. So that's one you just, you'll want to win. And man, if you want to build goodwill for a team, you know, at Nebraska, get that one versus Creighton finally. And then yep. you finish off November with Idaho State, Southern Tennessee State, and South Dakota. So that's certainly no murderer's row of, of a non-con they schedule. sound like winnable yeah. games. They do on paper right now, and, and they should be, you would think, for any self-respecting, you know, Power 5 program. So let's let's hope that's the case. And then once you hit December, that's when you're getting into your Big Ten ACC challenge and you get some early conference games in December. And then a few other, you know, non-con smatterings, Auburn, K-State, and Kennesaw State before you're into the meat of the Big Ten schedule in the beginning of January. So you've got a good chance to stockpile a lot of, you know, maybe not exciting wins, but good wins and get momentum. And like Dave talked about, get a chance for this team to gel, hopefully, against teams they, they should be able to beat and kind of figure out what everybody's roles are. And Once December hits, I mean, this is a, a great schedule because you have uh, NC State, Indiana, Michigan, Auburn, K State um, over the first, you know, 19 days of, of December. There, you do have a little break there with Kennesaw State, uh, and then you come back after the holidays with the Big Ten. But I mean, like the season starts officially. I mean, uh, outside of the Creighton game on, on November 16th, it's really December 1st. And so hopefully you're at worst six and one, hopefully seven or no going into that, and then see, see where uh, the chips fall, I guess. Yeah, it should should be really interesting. I'm excited to see where the team goes. I think it's going to be a fun team to watch. Um, and uh, similar to the Frost in football, you know, Hoiberg has to show it. Uh, but this year, uh, it does seem like the roster is built um, to do it. Welcome to the Go Big Betcast with Dave, Boomer, and Rob. All right, guys, let's uh, head into our betcast and talk about the uh, Big Ten matchups and then our best bets of the week. And uh, Honky, uh, since uh, Redcast Rob is is out, you're you're kind enough to at least hang around, right? Yeah, I'll listen in, and if I have any nuggets of wisdom, which I probably don't, I'll, I'll gladly share. Uh, Honky, I mean your extension, uh, your your experience with uh, sports betting mainly is back in the old frat house when you were like eighteen or nineteen. You'd randomly just put some money down on something and look for entertainment purposes only. Only for entertainment purposes, right? Yeah, I had a, a guy I knew that uh, was the was <laughs> yeah, our. I had a guy, right? And it was the night of the Nebraska-Tennessee game, Osborne's last game. And uh, I was going to call him. And this is like, you know, early cell phone technology. And I just remember his his message was, hi, I'm not here right now, but if you'd like to leave a name number, you can. And if you'd like to place a bet on the Nebraska-Tennessee game, why don't you place your bet and how much you'd like to put down and leave your name? And I was like, click. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. We're not We're not doing that. <laughs> Very wise financial decision there, probably. <laughs> One of the few oh. wise decisions I made back in those years. But, uh, uh, yeah, that uh, that didn't make any sense to me. 
right. Well, let's see if some of these make sense to you. And if you want to chime in at any point, you just let me know. All right, buddy. Sure. Sure. Um, all right. Well, the big 10 is just, just a, an amazing slate of games this week. Boomer. I just can't wait to put Ugh, money on these. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let's start off uh, with the early uh, 11 a.m. Central games, starting with the Fighting Illini taking on Penn State. Uh, Nittany Lions are at home, a 24-point home favorite, over-under at 46-and-a-half. Um, I, I, I really don't like the spread here. It's a big number. Uh, Illinois is horrible and, you know, Penn state should beat them by that much, but I don't know if I really trust Penn state, you know, Sean Clifford, completely healthy, all those type of things. So Boomer, uh, any, any thoughts on this? Yeah. I don't know. Like you said, Clifford, I don't know where he's at exactly. And they have no Bielema just seemed to throw his entire team under the bus this, these last yeah. couple of days. And yeah, basically said they all suck. So, you know, they're, <laughs> they're reshuffling everything. So who knows who's even going to show up at the field for Illinois. So that game's a complete mystery. I would not, you know, as Rob would say, I wouldn't touch out with a big 10 foot pole right now. I just, yeah, it's a big spread and young know, Penn state could easily win by that, but they could easily just take it kind of easy this week, you know, treading the water for play Ohio state, you know, and 46 and a half is a pretty low number. It is. Yeah. I, I think they're just counting on Illinois and not doing anything, which yeah. is quite possible. So that's, that's not out of the realm of possibility there. That, that might be all up to Penn state to get that 46. If you're thinking over on that, which they could do and they might not, but yeah. Yeah. I, I can see Penn state not going all out on this, trying to keep everyone healthy and in shape for Ohio state. So it might just be kind of a, you know, tune up game for them and kind of coast and Illinois. God only knows what'll be out there. I think they're playing for next year already. So who knows yep, who will right. even see the field. So <laughs> Yeah, who, who who would lose to Illinois? I mean, that's just ridiculous. So shit, yeah. Cool. You know. Yeah, maybe oh, for wow. Charlotte's, but that'd be about it if you're on that kind of level. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, well, let's uh, let's move on to another one of the early games. We have Northwestern uh, now three and three on the year. Uh, they did beat Rutgers last week. I did not see that coming. Um, and two and four against the spread. Going to Ann Arbor to take on the Fighting Harbaugh's. Michigan, uh, number six in the country now. Uh, we have a spread of 23 and a half, another huge number there, over under at 50 and a half. Um, Michigan likes to pour it on when they can really route a team. They're at home. And uh, so Northwestern doesn't have that long grass to slow everybody else down. Uh, I, I think Michigan probably covers this, but again, I, I really don't like a spread that large. Boomer, what are you thinking? Yeah, I feel the same way, and I do agree. I was surprised Northwestern was able to to show up and score some points against Rutgers. Didn't um, see that coming. No, I, I was shocked. That I, I thought at least Rutgers would score, you know, what was it, 13 or 17 like they've done every week, but they didn't yeah. do anything. Yeah, they, they just struggled, and then yeah, okay, Michigan should kind of run all over them. Um, so – I don't, I don't know how, again, pep they'll be. They may be just kind of sandbagging a little bit, waiting for Sparty next week because there's a whole bunch of games on the 30th. Yeah, so like next week's games exciting, are yeah. going to be great. I mean, we're going to so, have a massive bet cast because there's going to be really good. Oh, yeah, there's games, games of plenty on the 30th. About. Yeah, it'll be Halloween extravaganza. But, uh, yeah, yeah, this week's pretty pretty questionable. I don't like a lot of the spreads because they're either really big or just weird and kind of, yeah. a, kind of a tough week. So, yeah, I – I, you might take the over on this. Uh, what was the over on this one, Dave? 50 and a half. 50 and a half. Michigan, uh, if Rob was here, he'd be like, Michigan's going to do that by themselves. Yeah, so yeah, he could. I, 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 I could see that, yeah. Yeah, that's possible. I'd, I'd be curious what Northwestern team you know, shows up if they get a little bit of offense and can get 14 to 20-some points. If you think they can do that, you'd probably take the over, I think. So it, yeah. it's how you read Northwestern in this game. That's how I would approach it if I were to bet it. So. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I, I'd probably take the over as well. All right. Well, here, here's a game where I might, this is almost like a military, uh, you know, academy under here, um, but talking about a spread that's also a little funky. You have Wisconsin going on the road to West Lafayette. Uh, you know how tough it is of a place to play there, right, Honk? Um, facing the now top 25 Purdue Boilermakers. Whiskey is favored in this game by three. Over under is at 40, which is similar to the Wisconsin Army um over under last week i took the under and won that it got a little sketchy at the end there but it was um 
a, a pretty easy victory on the under. Um, I, I might take the under again on this because I just don't know um, how either one of these teams is going to score that much in this game. Boomer? Yeah, yeah, I think that's the safe bet there. I would look to that Purdue-Minnesota game a couple of weeks ago as kind of how this yeah. one's going to play out. That's fair. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, and Purdue's defense is just surprisingly salty this year. I think they're the second-rated defense in the Big Ten in terms of scoring. I think they're only allowing like 14 points a game, so they do have some talent there. Wisconsin's offense, who knows, miserable. So I think this game's going to just be one of those old-school Big Ten slugfests, you know, could end nine to six or something like that for yeah, all we know. And you're lucky to get into the twenties. Yeah. I think either one would be at this point. And I think that's the kind of game you're going to see. It'll be one of those 17 to 13 type finishes or less than that. And maybe whoever generates a couple of turnovers, I think wins this one, but, but yeah, it'll be interesting. And it, it'll be the, the big 10 game I'll watch with the most interest. Cause it, I think it has the biggest ramifications uh, for the rest of our season. Yeah. You know, sure. Purdue wins this, they're coming sure. into Lincoln on a streak and, with a chance to win the West. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. So for, for momentum purposes for everybody involved. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brom was kind of left for dead and, and now somehow he's got a little bit of uh, you know, bolt of lightning here after the Iowa upset. So uh, that'll be interesting. All right. Well um, let's uh, talk about those golden gophers uh, coming off their big win versus Nebraska. Uh, they are a five point favorite at home versus the Terrapins of Maryland over under at 56. I have no idea. Didn't Maryland beat Minnesota last year? Yeah, I think pretty handily game? too, if I remember right. Yeah, I think they kind of, kind of like a night game them. with a super high scoring. Oh, it was a Friday yeah. night game and, uh, uh, Maryland's quarterback just went crazy in the second half and they, they yeah. came back. If, if I remember, I think they were down. And that came back right. and, and won like a real high scoring. Yeah, that's right. It was uh yeah, 45 to 44, I think it was overtime. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, it was a crazy yeah. game. So yeah, because they jumped out to a big lead and then Minnesota came back and was leading at halftime. And yeah, and it was a big fourth quarter rally for Maryland. That's right. So yeah, yeah. it was a crazy game. Yeah, Minnesota, they yeah, the thing I forgot about last week, and I would said it many times, they just kind of play at whatever level their opponents at. So every game they play seems to be close. And Maryland, I, I don't know. I, I haven't watched them a lot this year. They they have some good offensive play. They're coming off a of bye week, so maybe they've had time to plot and plan. And two straight so, losses. Yeah, two straight losses. I, I don't know enough about the Terrapins to get a good read on them. I probably would avoid this one. I mean, does Minnesota that played against Colorado and Nebraska show up or the – the one that played against Bowling Green because it's just who like knows? say they they play who they're at and kind of kind of call it a coin toss. So yeah, just pick which M you like best, whichever font you prefer. There, guys, and, and go with that <laughs> one. So. That's right. That's right. Uh, all right, and then we also have Ohio State versus Indiana. The Buckeyes go to Bloomington uh, and are twenty-one point favorites uh, with an over/under of sixty and a half. Um, you know, Ohio State's offense has really turned the corner, it seems like, uh, playing a lot better. Uh, Indiana, not so much. Uh, I, I feel like I probably would take the Buckeyes here with 21 points. Um, I don't know about the over-under. It's hard to, hard to read on that one because Indiana, I don't know if they'll score that much. So I, 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 I could see the Buckeyes covering three touchdowns. Boomer, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think that's the fair bet here. Indiana showed a little bit of game last week against Sparty, but I I just don't think they have enough to keep up with Ohio State. Just you know, and both sides of the field, Ohio State's just got so many more athletes than they do, and yeah, they they struggle against Cincinnati, they struggle against Penn State, and I I think the heart's probably kind of been knocked out of Indiana for the season. There's not a whole lot left they're playing for, and kind of a what they went into a season with a lot of hopes, kind of probably been totally deflated now. So. This is going to be a tough game for them, so I, I think Ohio State can cover this. The Buckeyes seem to be kind of figuring things out, and, and such convenient timing for us. So, yeah, of course, Honky. Yeah, my uh, my inner Ken Shimmick. I've been uh, each of the games you brought up. I've been looking at the uh, schedule or the weather for the each of these games. Yeah. and the Big Ten has definitely uh, benefited from some global warming because every one of these games. We're talking 50s to 60s. Even the one up in the Twin Cities is supposed to be like 51, and they're all sunshiny and nice and not having any of those you know, late-season Big Ten 
right, uh, weather right. conditions to to affect the scores at, at the very least. And it's supposed to be like 61 and sunny in in uh, Bloomington. So Ohio State will have a a nice fast uh, turf and and good weather conditions to do what they're going to do in. Right. I mean, obviously. Lincoln is the San Diego of the Big Ten. Yes, we all know that. It's like the like the Miami of the Big Ten. It's, Correct. It's yes. Further south campus. Yes. And, um, it's, uh, yeah. So that's interesting. You know, I mean, I, I remember you and I were up the Michigan State game a few years ago, and that was like in early October, and it felt like it was like it was mid January. It was miserable. It was yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Michigan State is the East Lansing of the Big Ten. It is horrible. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's it's rough. Oh, that's classic. That is very true. That's very true. All right, I Boomer. Did I get all the Big Ten games? Only five this week, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's all we need considering the the slate we have. This is a pretty pretty miserable week for the conference. So, but like we said, they're gearing up for an exciting Halloween weekend. So, yes, it's right. So Nebraska, Iowa, Rutgers, uh, and Michigan State all with buys. So. All right, sounds good. Let's uh, turn our attention to our best bets. And um, you know, Honky, if you you get excited about any of these, I'll, I could you know make sure I could put a bet down for you. All right. Okay. Uh, uh, Boomer, do you have anything off the top of your mind, or you want me to to start off a little bit? Uh, I've got a couple of games that I was kind of looking at. It's it's we were talking about this before the show. It's just there's a lot of weird lines this week. There's a lot of you know ranked teams that are underdogs for strange reasons. And yeah, let's talk about that a little yeah. bit. First of all, there's no ranked versus rank matchup the entire uh, weekend, which is that's that's an oddity in itself mm-hmm. at this point in time in a in a schedule. And then there's three, maybe four ranked teams that are are actual underdogs, including uh, Iowa State being favored over the eighth ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys. What do you think? About yeah, that that's one? and that's one of the ones I was looking at. I. Is there something about Oklahoma State that we don't know about, an injury or something that that I By a touchdown? Yeah, that's that, I was shocked that spread was that big, and I would actually put Oklahoma State as one of my best bets at plus seven. I mean, geez, I they can score a lot of points. Iowa State, they just beat Texas. Yeah, Iowa State hasn't looked great this year. They've lost to Baylor. They haven't looked great against good teams. I I know you go into going to Ames, and you know you can toss the record books out when you're in a hostile environment like that, but. Uh, that's right. unless there's something i don't know about I, i'm not sure what what people are looking at on that game so only think, crazy but yeah with, i think i would uh i'd bet oklahoma or, or excuse me oklahoma state on that one so yeah at least yeah. keeping it within a touchdown for goodness sake uh other examples of this phenomenon of a unranked being favored over a ranked uh is, another one ucla at home is a two-point favorite over 10th ranked oregon um that's strange <laughs> that's isn't that strange i mean I get it. I mean, you. I think UCLA is a, a pretty good team, even though they had a couple of hiccups, including a loss to Arizona State, um, where they didn't look good at all. Um, and Oregon beat Ohio State. I mean, yes, Oregon did, um, you know, get a loss there. But boy, that's that's an odd number. You know, Boomer. You, yeah, you, I'm not sure what to make of that either. I I haven't watched a ton of the Pac-12 uh, this season, but. I get you know again it's that hostile Los Angeles crowd of like 27 that show up to games maybe they're they're coming on to sweep it but yeah it's just it I kind of wonder what the last time a top 10 team against an unranked team was was an underdog I'd be curious to know what uh how often that happens it it can't be many I wouldn't think so you know it's happened twice this week (laughs) yeah speaking of the Pac-12 one thing that I think I heard is unique about this weekend there's not gonna be any games kicking off after like seven o'clock central time so there's no late games this this weekend. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. Pack twelve after dark. Oh, yeah. Man. So so none of those uh you know eleven eight you know eleven o'clock at night uh, Oregon State Washington State you know matchups or anything like that. Yeah. The only... we're gonna have to watch like what Nevada New Mexico or Utah State and Hawaii close. or something weird like that. You know, New yeah. Mexico State Hawaii is the only truly late game, and that's a uh, it would be nine o'clock Central kickoff. You know, sadly, I'm going to be watching that. So, oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, Utah, Oregon State kicks off at 6:30 Central, and then you've got uh, USC Notre Dame um, kicking off at 6:30 Central. It looks like so. Those are your two latest Pac-12, Pac, yeah, Pac-12 games. That is, it's very odd, very unusual. Um, and there's there's other typical late late night games like Nevada versus Fresno state. That would typically be very late. That's only a, 
a, a six o'clock uh, kickoff. So uh, the other example of a, a ranked team being a dog is here. My own backyard, San Diego state is coming to air force at Colorado Springs and air force is a three and a half point favorite. And um, this one's funny in the sense of like the over over under is 39 and if you look at a lot of these betting sites, they always have these like, you know, the simulators, right. They like predict the score. And like, I'm seeing scores like 19 to 15, and like 20 <laughs> to 16. I mean, like these are two very low scoring teams uh, that like to run the ball a lot. So that one would be uh, quite the um, slob rocker. And I think I might very much be interested to take the under on that one right there. Yeah, I don't know anything really at all about the Aztecs this year and Air Force. They are what they are, but yeah, that's boy, that's not a lot of points. So, but might be fun to watch anyway, since like you said, there's not much else on that night. Monkey can watch Greg Bell run for San Diego State and get pissed off. (laughs) I totally forgot he was there. Oh yeah, how's he doing this year? He's doing fine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, another running back is uh, from Omaha that went out to Northern Illinois, and he ran for over 200 yards against uh, Bowling Green, who uh, beat Minnesota. So Yeah, well, uh, Boomer, I'll jump in and name a few uh, games that I'm, I have an interest in here. Uh, Cincinnati, now the number two ranked team in the country. Um, I don't see them having a letdown. They seem to be uh, really kind of uh, – you know, hitting on all cylinders right now, a 28 point favorite over Navy. I might buy that down to 27 and a half. But I think that there's value in that Navy just doesn't score enough to keep up with a pretty explosive Cincinnati offense uh, the last few weeks. So I think that's a good one. Um, what do you think about Clemson Pittsburgh? This is an amazing line. Um, if you would get your kind of like um, the preseason lines come out, sometimes some of the big marquee matchup games, or even semi-marquee matchup games will get numbers early. Uh, Clemson was favored by 20 points in the preseason over Pittsburgh. They are now a three-point underdog going to Pittsburgh wow. in Heinz Field. You know, you know, honky, you know how tough it is to play in Heinz Field. Uh, but Clemson does struggle versus Pittsburgh. Uh, do you think that Pittsburgh actually covers a three-point spread over um, Clemson, or is, is this a thing where the the Vegas odds makers have moved too far one direction to try to get money on the other team. I don't think so. Cause so, if you've been loyal listeners to the BetCast, one of my things this year has been betting against Clemson because they can only score about 14 to 17 points a game. And I imagine that's going to continue here. I mean, they've been favorites in a lot of games by a lot of points. They shouldn't have been. And they squeaked by last week against Syracuse, a team they struggled with. And we mentioned how, you know, they struggled with Pitt. And Pitt's put it halfway decent season together. I think Pitt wins this by more than three. If you can get it at three, it's a three and a half at some places, but I'd look for three and heck, if you can get lucky at two and a half, take it there. But no, I put the money on Pitt. So. All right. All right. That's good. Uh, Wake Forest Army is another intriguing one for maybe the uh, under. It's 52 and a half. Army can uh, slow down any game that you can find. Uh, Wake really hasn't um, really beat anybody of consequence yet. And so it's not that Army is great, but I, I think, you know, seeing how Army could, you know, control the ball versus Wisconsin, um, I, I, I think this could be another situation where Army gets gets you an under at 52 and a half. And then the other one, um, I obviously will take uh, Alabama, uh, likely to cover it to 25, but definitely the first half spread. Um, that one seems to be one that um, is, as I, I always will go to the well, but um, it's, it's, something where Alabama's at home and uh, Tennessee's not good. So, Yeah, and they can't throw any mustard in the stands there. So That's right. But you can throw ketchup at Heinz Field, so keep that in mind (laughs) for the Pitt-Clemson game. So if they better watch out. That's right. Um, Yeah, any other games out there, Honky? Any games that you just find intriguing on the – not even from a betting perspective, but just like, you know, games that you might want to pay attention to this week? Well, I don't know who Wyoming's playing, but uh, I'm all about the altitude, and I, I just think uh, San Diego coming up to, to Air Force there. I I would put probably you know five thousand on the money line. I don't know what that would get me, but uh, I'm taking I'm taking Air pretty Force good. there. Yeah, that's not bad. Wyoming is a twenty point favorite at home versus New Mexico. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Wyoming all the way. All right, taking the Cowboys. 
All right, guys. Well, I had um, one more game, Dave, that I would look yeah. at. Um, and it was uh, NC State. They're only a three-point favorite against a struggling Miami team, which kind of surprised me there. Uh, Agreed. You know, Miami's dropped a couple in a row, you know, to UNC and Virginia, and NC State's played pretty well. I think that's another game I'd, I'd take NC State at at minus three and feel pretty good about. So, Yeah, mm-hmm. that's one where I don't understand why. Again, I don't either. So that's that's, might that's why I said it's a weird week. So, Yeah. Either yeah, Vegas knows something I don't, which go figure, but uh, yeah. All right. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Well, um, I'm sure we'll have our best tweet out there, which probably will include uh, producer Skip and Redcast Rob's best bets as well. Um, but let's get our some parting shots, some, some good old fashioned parting shots. And we'll start with Honky. Well, I mentioned uh, Tennessee there and throwing mustard. Uh, Husker fans, Redcasters, no matter how, how frustrated we get. Let's never fall to the level of what we saw at the end of that Tennessee game there against Ole Miss. That was, uh, that was awful. <laughs> Did you guys, I mean, give me a break. And what golf balls go for these days? I'm not going to throw those out there at anyone. That's crazy. Yeah, but who brings a golf ball to the football stadium? Is that like a Tennessee fan who just, you know, had a quick 18 and it went straight to the, to the, the stadium or I mean like uh, how, why do you have a golf ball I have no idea <laughs> it makes no sense it's really I mean, if you're Bruce Reed it might have made sense back in the day but uh, yeah <laughs> yeah I mean all I can say is it's Tennessee that's the only thing that makes sense uh, maybe Bruce Reed is Tennessee's special teams coordinator oh that could be uh, I don't know where he's at these days uh, it's uh, all coming uh, together now yeah uh, um, and my other one is uh Obviously, we didn't have a chance uh, last week on the Redcast that this happened afterwards, but uh, we extend our condolences to Eric Shenander on the passing of his father, Gene. Uh, it was a car accident. That, from what I read, it sounded like he probably had a medical episode prior to the accident. Um, a horrible thing for the family there, and to think that he turned around and had to coach a game right away. Uh, anyways, we extend our heartfelt condolences there. Also, I do want to state that they, they have a GoFundMe page that has been created to help raise funds for Gene Shenander Memorial Scholarship, and it will go to the North Butler student who plans on a career in coaching or teaching field. Uh, donations may be made in person to the Gene Shenander Memorial Fund at Lincoln Savings Bank in Allison or Green, uh, Iowa there. He was a, a coach, and you know, so he was a, a well-known person within the community there. And so anyways, uh, heartbreaking there, and so our condolences go out. Well said, Honky. Well said. Boomer. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to, you know, on a similar note to that, just kind of the generosity of the the Husker fan base and college football fan base in general, you know, the last week, along with just the Minnesota game, it was the $5 bits of broken chair trophy. And the donations were really incredible this year. I, uh, for Team Jack, uh, the Nebraska side of things, raised over $30,000 on that, and uh, in, which was a great, great haul. And uh Minnesota, they did just a little over 17000 and it was about $47,000 combined this year, which was really impressive. Mm-hmm. So good job for everyone involved there, and that's a, that's a good way to make a trophy and not some lame you know, corporate-sponsored ones, so glad to see that. And uh, just uh, wanted to give another shout-out to the Nebraska volleyball team, just quietly rebounding from, you know, kind of a everyone was concerned midseason, and they're just quietly taking care of business and dominating the Big Ten. So they, they seem to be putting things together, and great job tonight sweeping Iowa and Enjoy watching that. Uh, keep that up. And I uh, just wanted to mention Dave Bruce Reed is currently uh, uh, the special teams coordinator and defensive line coach for the Lewis and Clark Pioneers in Division Three. So he is working somewhere. Really? Yeah. He's got to yeah. pay for the golf habit somehow, I guess. Well, of course you will. Yeah, I'm not sure what they make at Lewis and Clark, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> we paid him enough. Uh, that's for certain. Well, if uh, we ever get to spade as much as Bruce Reed, this podcast is going to be highly successful. Uh, for now, let's call that a Go Big Redcast. PBR. Bye week. A Huda Media Production.